Hello and welcome to Angel Insights, the show that takes you inside the world of early stage investing to reveal how startups get funded and the processes behind their funding. And joining me today is our very own Tom Britton, co-founder and CTO at Syndicate Room, one of the UK's leading equity crowdfunding platforms, having raised £40 million in funding for startups last year and having recently raised their own round on their own platform. So a big congratulations to them for that. And in the show today, we discuss the future for crowdfunding in fluctuating credit cycles, why one business is more suitable for crowdfunding than another, and the effect of Title III. Will it have the ramifications that everyone is suggesting? Therefore, without further ado, I'd like to pass over to Tom Britton, co-founder and CTO at Syndicate Room. Tom, welcome to the show. It's absolutely fantastic to have you on. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure to be here, Harry. I also want to say a big congratulations for the recent raise on the Syndicate Room platform, so congratulations for that. Thank you. Much appreciated. And I'd love to start with a little origin story. So two to three minutes of how you came to found Syndicate Room from a little office in Cambridge. Sure. Um, Funny story there. I was doing my MBA back in uh, 2012 um, and I come from a a product development background. So I did the mobile apps for the train line and a few other things. I met uh, Gonzalo, um, who's my co-founder at uh, Syndicate Room, while I was doing the program. And I actually thought that... um, I might be able to get paid to help him out to do a bit of work um, throughout the course and kind of fund my lavish student lifestyle. Um, <laughs> not so lavish, but uh, but what, what what turned out was he said, you know what, I'm a I'm a startup. I can't pay you, but you know maybe maybe if this works out, I can offer you a job at the end of the program. And um, we started working, I think, together in kind of October November. Um, and by March time, I was actually helping him uh, fundraise. <laughs> so I had gone from thinking that I would get some money out of him to uh, actually, you know what, I want to be a part of this entrepreneurial journey. Um, and we kicked off Syndicate Room. We did a soft launch in March of 2013. Uh, and then we, we raised the money um, that we needed to raise. And we did our, our larger um, kind of call it public launch in September 2013. And we've been kind of growing the business uh, since then from, from two of us to now um, almost 30 of us. So it's, it's been fun. So talk to me about the transitory moment there when you decided that this was something that you wanted to do. When was that moment for you? Was there a milestone or an inflection point? Um, I think there were two things. Um, I'd gone on to to interview with a bunch of different management consultants and other businesses who came to the program to try and recruit people. And I just thought like, nah, that's not for me. Um, I had a taste of the the startup life, if you will, when I was at the train line. I joined them relatively early on, but also in, in working on their mobile apps. It was as if we were a startup within the train line team, um, building the prototypes and then launching them. And you know, we got a couple million downloads of the app. So I had, I had a taste for it. Um, I didn't necessarily enter the MBA knowing that I was definitely going to be an entrepreneur. I thought maybe I'll do management consulting or something where I can get a bit more experience. But after having met him, and learning about the vision, the vision of Syndicate Room and, and the fact that I was going to get to work with a number of other startups, uh, I just thought, you know, what, this is this is the right time. I've already got student debt. If I go broke, I can just wipe it all off. <laughs> and, and, and not just that, of course, but um, but you know, he's he was the he was the ideal um, co-founder for me. I had the technical background. He had kind of the the engineering and the operations side of things, um, and we worked really well. And I just thought, I'm not going to have a better chance to. To, to make the switch from you know corporate life to startup life. So it was probably f- by February 
Um, and then in March when we did the soft launch, it was, it was one of the highs getting the product actually out there. So I, I really bought into it then. And I want to start off then with a macro overview on the crowdfunding industry now and, and discuss how you think crowd investing will perform during a different part of the credit cycle. We've had a good few years. How do you think that crowd investing will do when interest rates rise and, and default rates increase? Yeah, well, that's, that's to, we're yet to see that yet. But um, should it happen, and should the economy continue to pick up, um, I actually think crowdfunding could do even better, especially on the, the equity side, when people have a bit more disposable income that they're willing to put into the, the riskier asset class uh, that is equity crowdfunding. Um, on, the, on the peer-to-peer lending side of things, you know, minus the, the scandal that people are talking about in the States, I don't think that the rates that you'll get from returns are going to increase significantly enough on the bank side to put people off what they'll get through the peer-to-peer uh, lending side. So, you know, right now at a bank, you're getting kind of half a percent, you know, and on the peer-to-peer lending side, you're getting three, four, five, six, seven in some cases. So there's a long, a long way to go before there's parity between the two rates that are offered. Um, at some point, of course, the risk um, of, of these uh, loans that aren't going through banks and the returns that you get might not be equivalent, but could be equal in the sense of at a bank, you know, no risk or less risk. Peer-to-peer loans, you assume higher risk. So maybe there's a 2% margin. I don't know what that is, that exact margin is, where people think, okay, now I'm going to start putting it through the bank. But I think we're, we're many years off that actually happening. And you mentioned P2P platforms there. And, and another interesting trend that we've seen in capital markets is 50% of capital on P2P is, is now institutional. So, so do you think institutional capital entering crowd investing is a definite possibility? Well, like you said, it's happening on the, the peer-to-peer lending side of things, and we're starting to see it uh, much more through the equity side of things um, all across the platforms. Actually, in, in our own raise, um, which you mentioned earlier, we had a venture capital trust come in and invest a million pounds in us. And there were some changes to taxes and regulations this last year, which meant that or mean that we'll see more VCTs investing in these earlier stage businesses, um, unlisted businesses. Um, you also see a lot of the um, the venture capital funds looking at um, you know peer-to-peer platforms or equity crowdfunding platforms as a way to access deal flow. You know, there's a number of good companies, um, if I can use the term good, that have come through equity crowdfunding platforms or appealing companies, if you will. And the venture capital companies want access to them. So they've invested alongside the crowd investors. And brilliant intro there to VCs, because there's a, there's a big question over whether v, um, businesses should be VC funded or whether they should be crowdfunded. So I'm really intrigued to hear what you make of whether something should be VC funded or whether it should be crowdfunded. Is there a clear differentiation between the businesses or is there businesses like Beulah with mustard seeds which do both syndicate room and mustard seeds? Definitely overlap and I wouldn't say that there's a a clear enough divide um, between the type of business um, so much as there is a divide between how much the business needs to raise. So um, equity crowdfunding is still relatively new. The first platform in the UK launched in 2011 and the size of the round that um, equity crowdfunding platforms are participating is relatively low. So I think the largest round to date um, in the UK is around 5 million. 
Um, and so if you're in need of, of, of that amount of capital, then I think you actually get benefit from getting a VC and a crowd on board. Um, if you look at, at what the crowd brings, building advocates out of each of your investors. Um, I mean, think about this. If you had two or 300 people in your small company out there talking about your business, your products, getting other people engaged, that's the best form of marketing you have. You know, these passionate people who have uh, who believe in you enough to put money in you. So there are things beyond the money that the crowd gives you. Um, but then there's also things that uh, uh, an angel or a venture capitalist gives you, you know, the experience that they've got, the networks that they have. Um, you know, so there's, there's benefits to both. And we'll see a lot more of these hybrid rounds. Now, if you're raising 10, 20, 30 plus million, um, it's probably too large of a round to go through a, a crowdfunding platform. Though we have seen um, some of these larger raises do say a million through a venture, uh, through a, a crowdfunding platform and the rest through a VC. Um, I think that as we grow as an industry and as a platform ourselves, we'll start to participate in those later rounds. And then the choice doesn't, um, doesn't necessarily become this or that, but more hybrid rounds. Do you think there are any challenges to the crowdfunding then moving up the stack of, of funding environments in terms of doing those Series A, Series B, 20, 30 million even funding rounds? No. Um, uh, well, the biggest challenge is, is just scaling up and getting more investors involved. I mean, if we look at it, it's a platform, right? It's a platform technology that aims to bring venture capital, angel investment, and all forms of investment online. So traditionally, venture capital and angels were, were offline activities where they would invest. You know, they have groups and clubs. They have um, you know, their, their massive offices where uh, the entrepreneurs come and pitch. Now that can all be done online. And so it's really the, if, if this is a, a real word or not, the platformification of, <laughs> of investing. So, so we've started to see the VCTs come down and invest on the platforms. Um, you know, some of the venture funds have invested through platforms into businesses or have invested into businesses that are on platforms. I think it's only a matter of time where the platforms kind of continue to grow and get all different types of investors um, coming through the platforms. And the platforms just act as the hub where the, uh, the pitch and the investment takes place. And, and talking of the kind of platformification of the democratization of funding. So, so it is a word. <laughs> if I, I'm coining this now. I've stolen it. Um, but where do you see yourself then compared to Angelist? Because it's a relatively similar model, is it not, with the lead experienced investor. Um, so how do you compare yourself? We are similar in our, our vision and what we try to achieve. Um, we try to build syndicates around um, investment opportunities. Um, so all of our investments, as you know, have a lead investor or a group of lead investors. Angelist tends to focus on the building of the syndicate. You know, so you get uh, the big people in the States, um, the Gills and the Marks and the, you know, all of them create their syndicates and then they reach out to find investors to invest with them. And then they find kind of the deal flow. We do it in a little bit of a reverse order in the sense of we find the lead investor in the company first then we build the syndicate around that particular investment opportunity instead of having kind of the, the ongoing syndicate that looks for multiple opportunities. Mm -hmm. And kind of speaking of those U.S. investors there, I have to touch on the recent announcement of Title Three in the U.S. And a friend of mine, Ryan Caldbeck, um, co-founder at Circle Up. Circle Up, yeah. Yeah. 
so he told me that unaccredited investors would get the worst deal flow as the best startups go to VCs and get funded. Those that don't go to VCs uh, go to angels and those that get rejected by angels go to high net worth. And those that get rejected by those then go to the unaccredited investors, giving them the worst deal flow. So what are your thoughts on this and how we can solve for kind of the filtration of the worst to the unaccredited? You know, it's funny. I heard the same thing about three years ago here in the UK, where equity crowdfunding platforms were going to be the place where only those businesses that got rejected by the VCs and the angels went. And to be honest, that's not the case. Um, I touched on it earlier, but you get a lot more than just capital when you go to a crowd. Um, You look at certain raises that have gone to crowdfunding platforms um, where they've done it purely for the marketing element and to build customer traction. You know, the platforms now have thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of, of, of investors. So you're getting exposure to these investors. And like I said, if you can get people to invest in you, they become your biggest advocates. So I think I think he's wrong to assume that um, the companies in the US will uh, ignore the crowd to go to a VC when they see that there are potential benefits of doing a crowd raise. You know, there's, there's some things about Title III that I don't think are efficient. Um, in the cap on uh, how much can be raised through equity crowdfunding um, and the cap on how much investors um, themselves can put in through equity crowdfunding if you're not a sophisticated high net worth. But again, there was, you know, there was no regulation of this when equity crowdfunding started in the UK um, and, and the right regulation has come in. And in the US, this is really kind of like the first, um, even though it's Title III, it's the first time that the crowd or the, the the wider crowd can invest so they're they've not got everything right but they will continue to evolve that and uh, and make it better and um if i can just end on on title three i i think that the number of companies that um, you see going through the platforms will be small to start and maybe there will be some drops but as people do realize um, the benefit of it we will see um, better quality opportunities uh, using crowdfunding as part of their their funding mm-hmm, absolutely and, and talking about kind of the future and, and the effect of title three i want to discuss now the broader ecosystem of crowdfunding and what the roadmap looks like for the space as a whole going forward um so what are your predictions and is there anything that concerns you in terms of bumps in the road ahead um <laughs> yeah well the the global economics right so if there's another turn down we'll see how that impacts the number of businesses raising through us but I think the term crowdfunding is is a very short term uh, term uh, because it, it, it's yeah brilliant, brilliant yeah. coining of phrases here platformification so and <laughs> short term term. Um, but uh, you know people call it crowdfunding and it's it's just early stage finance. Like crowdfunding itself is a buzzword. Um, what these online platforms are are um, investment banks, right? So so where they're going to head is becoming more like investment banks. Um, and using instead of just high net worths um, to fund them, you'll have a wide audience of crowd investors funding these investment banks. You know, so it's kind of bringing down the assets that were only um, able to be invested by these these wealthier and sophisticated individuals, and giving the option for the crowd investors to invest in those types of assets. So right now we've got peer-to-peer loans, we've got. Uh, mini bonds, we've got equity-based crowdfunding, um, but you know, at Syndicate Room, and this is the only plug I'll really do today, we, we now allow people to invest in IPOs and we allow people to invest in uh, share placements. So I don't see why these crowdfunding platforms aren't going to move into other asset classes, um, both vertically up and down the chain um, and then as platforms geographically spreading um, you know, outside of the UK and Europe and into Asia and into to other parts of the world. So yeah, so let's get rid of the term 
crowdfunding platform. We're, we're really just kind of little investment banks, if you will. Or at least that's not what I tell myself to make it seem like I'm adding value. Do you expect <laughs> to see other platforms move into the um, public market space? I do. Um, you know, it makes sense. The uh, the equity crowdfunding market in the UK was only like 150 odd million last year. I say only. You know, it was only 80 million the year before and 29 million two years before. Um, but you look at like the IPO market, and there's about 12 billion a year that goes through London, right? So we're comparing a 150 million pound market that might be 300 million pounds this year with a market that's established at 12 billion pounds. And you think, well, maybe Syndicate Room's a, a bigger fish in this smaller market, and we're just a small fish in that bigger market, but that gives us more opportunity to grow within that much, much bigger market. And being controversial, we always hear founders say about the importance of uh, founder focus. Uh, so, so with that in mind, why did you decide to expand into the public markets when you know no one in the UK um, has nailed the crowdfunding market entirely? You know, there's I think 2.8 billion in EIS, uh, and the amount going through crowdfunding platforms at the moment. I, correct me if I'm wrong. Probably last year would be about 200 million total. Yeah, yeah. So on the equity side of it, two hundred million. Uh, the biggest thing for us is we we had a choice that we could make. We could we could go kind of geographically, as some of our competitors have done, or we could go vertically um, and move up the, the the chain and the asset classes that we offer. Um, and from a an investor perspective, moving up actually um, gave a lot of benefit to our current investors. So we've got a lot of people who have unlisted assets in the stuff that they invest through equity crowdfunding with, and in giving them you know a more liquid asset class in through the IPOs and the share placements, we're actually uh, you know, allowed to offer them now the full spectrum of both risk and liquidity. So people can invest in as risky as you know stuff that's just more than an idea or stuff that's actually listed on the market where they could sell kind of the next day if there's a buyer. And really, they now have a full full spectrum on, on of their equity portfolio in one spot. Uh, we're the first to do that. And I think as an investor, you see, okay, well, now I can do all of my or most of my equity investments under one one portfolio, under one brand, if you will. And that's what we wanted to give them. So we've got people who have um, you know, a proper portfolio, if you will, um, with Syndicate Room. And I want to dive into a quick fire round now, okay? So sure. I say a short statement and you give me your immediate thoughts. So your favorite book at the moment and why? So I just read uh, Talk Like Ted. The author did a lot of reviews of people who have given TED Talks. You know, I'm sure you're familiar with TED Talks and kind of the reoccurring, uh, not themes, but trends and how they engage people. Um, and I, I thought I wanted to improve how I present Syndicate Room to people. So I, I picked up that book and it was really useful. And it, <laughs> this, this last week when we did our big presentation, um, or, or a bigger uh, summit, if you want to call it that. And I had to give a, a few-minute talk. Um, I, I took a lot of the lessons from that book and from watching far too many hours of, of TED videos. And, uh, and I was told that I gave a good presentation, so, um, so it was definitely useful. And then highlight of the entire Syndicate Room experience for you? Um, you know, going back to that day where I decided that I didn't want to take a corporate job and that I would give the entrepreneurial thing uh, a try, um, I had tried to be a part-time entrepreneur a number of times before that and like didn't fully commit and the businesses didn't work out. So that moment when I when I fully committed to it was, uh, uh, hate to be cliche, but liberating uh, in many ways. <laughs> so. and, then, and then your favorite blog or newsletter, what's the must-reads for you when they come in? Um, I've been reading, well, newsletter-wise, it's CB Insights. Um, I think the data that they provide is incredible and the insights that they add to it with a bit of humor is fantastic. 
Um, and I've been reading a lot of uh, both sides of the table, which I know a lot of people talk about. Um, so, so those two of, of late have been uh, my favorites. And then the biggest mentor to you and how it came about? Yeah, um, my biggest mentor is my old boss actually at the train line so he had been a successful entrepreneur before um, he had had experience in everything from startup to um, company that has sold for 500 million pounds um, and he's just a, a wealth of information and he's probably one of the few people who um, who I go to who I know is not going to you know, blow smoke up my ass, sorry for swearing, uh, and, and tell me how it is and tell me where he thinks I'm making mistakes and where I can improve. You know, definitely need someone like that on board. And then the final one, the next five years for you and for Syndicate Room. Yeah, so this round that we raised is all about scaling up the business. You know, really, we're going to spend the next year focusing on growing our public markets offer, um, increasing brand awareness around that. Um, and then we're going to start to look at... Um, other types of asset class that, that we can get into. Tom, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. It really has been a pleasure um, and, and it's been fantastic to hear the Syndicate Room journey. Likewise, Harry, it's always fun chatting. And I'd like to say a huge hand to Tom for giving up his time today to be on the show. Absolutely fantastic to hear the Syndicate Room journey and very exciting to see the recent fundraise and the recent move into the public market. So we will watch this space. And if you'd like more information about Syndicate Room, then you can head over to the website at syndicateroom.com or you can follow them on Twitter at Syndicate Room. As always, it's been an absolute pleasure bringing you this week's show. Thank you so much for tuning in and we look very forward to bringing you next week's show.